so much of the time we have a fear of what are people going to think about me typically in a negative way instead of thinking about if I show up and share my opinion, my voice, my value, whatever that is, someone actually might latch onto that and find so much worth and so much value out of it. And so the belief I actually have is every time I share my truth, yeah, people may disagree with me, so what? I may have an army of people behind me that do agree with me and that do think the way I think and actually need to hear what I have to say. Welcome to episode one of season three. I have a fantastic guest for you today. And the cool thing about this is uh, it's not for everyone. And I love that we each have the things that we're drawn to because we each have our own individual journeys and we are magnetized to the people who are on similar journeys or have something to teach us. I was going through the episode and editing and taking out some of the ums and likes and those kinds of things. Um, it gave me a chance to review what we had talked about. And what was impressed on me is that this episode really lets you uh, see some some stuff that I've been working on for a really long time. And I love human design in that it provides a container to give us awareness of ourselves. And I think what you will hear me say in different words, you will be hearing my undefined heart center in human design and my my undefined ego. So the heart center, if you have an undefined heart center, then you are likely asking yourself, am I lovable? Am I worthy of love? And then my completely open ego center says, am I valuable? So the thing is, is that not everyone has those things undefined in their chart. And that means that it's likely not their journey or at least not one of their challenges to work through. So if you have um, ever found yourself thinking about if you are worthy of love or if you have value, then take a listen. And you might want to also take a look at your human design chart because Again, I think human design is so powerful and that it's a tool. It's a tool for consciously being able to see how we are designed. And it gives us a permission slip not to like express the lowest vibrations <laughs> of those, but to just to give us understanding like this journey that I'm on this is why it doesn't look like someone else's journey. So anyway, I hope it speaks to you in some way and I'm sending you lots of love this year. Thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm April Don Scheffler and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Mindy Fetzer. Welcome, Mindy. Hello, it's good to be here. Well, in this first segment, we pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. And being the benevolent host that I am, your order's on me. So what order do you give the barista? 
Ooh, what a good question. I think right now it would be an oat milk latte. Um, let's do iced today. I'm like staring out my window and it's like a beautiful, sunny Southern California day. So we're going to go with iced. Excellent. Well, now that you have your refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. This segment I've called, I think I know you from somewhere. Uh, sometimes living one's purpose and going through this human experience can look like playing big, but other times it can look like playing small. But in your spotlight moments, Mindy, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? Um, me, not so much my work. Um, little fun fact about me, I was a professional dancer um, for an arena football team in Cleveland before I made my move to New York City to work in the fashion industry. Um, my work um, started really in tandem with my yoga practice and also working for the company Wonderlust. And so I ran our partnerships team at Wonderlust and that was like really my kickoff into the wellness scene and wellness space. So for people that now know me as a coach and a yoga teacher, at one point in time, they probably saw me running the partnerships team for yoga festivals. Excellent, great. Well, this is a fun segment called Linguistic Tag. Guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation, something that doesn't get enough airtime or enough uh, play. So the prior guest, Sequoia, she chose the word ease, ease, E-A-S-E for you. So you are tasked to try and somehow fit that into our conversation today, okay? Got it. Now you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or just something that resonates with you. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Ooh, when you were just talking, I was like, you know what we like need more of? Just like in the world, honesty. So I'm throwing out honesty, like real deal, hard truths. Just like some of the prior guests, I don't have a, a past with you, at least not in this lifetime that I know of. <laughs> we met through Holisticism Hub. They have something called uh, Freebie Fridays or Free Offering Fridays. And I just put it out there. If anyone has, you know, whatever they're doing in the world, that splash they're making, that flavor they're adding, if you want to come onto my podcast and share that, you're welcome to. And you took me up on that. So I'm really glad to have you here. I do know that you are a life coach for creatives and entrepreneurs. So did you want to tell us how you got started taking on that role of uh, coach? Yeah, like I mentioned, I came from a background in New York City working in the fashion industry. And the closer I got in my personal development journey, the farther away I got from my quote unquote dream job. I was working in the industry for a couple of years and I was so burnt out. 
and I felt wildly undervalued. And it was like on paper, I had, had achieved all the things that I had already wanted to, but even a couple years in, I was like, this is not sustainable for me. This is so not sustainable. And so my journey started really with stepping out of that industry and I was looking for ease in my life. I was so burnt out of the hustle or the grind and it felt like a part of me was not aligned with that. I played the game, but it, it just didn't feel aligned and I knew that there needed to be a better, more sustainable way. So I stepped onto my yoga mat and I got really involved in a yoga community in New York City. And that led to me just practicing almost every day and getting into my body. And that was my body's way of healing and just alleviating all of the stress. And the more I got onto my yoga mat, the more inquiry off the mat happened just naturally, organically in my life. And then I like really got into personal development work and fat stumbled, tripped, falled into the way of coaching. And then once I kind of got exposed to the coaching space, I was like, yes, this feels like in tandem with being in the body, coaching soothes the mind and gets you out of the mind. And so I just saw this holistic 360 approach to wellness and really feeling aligned in your own vision or your own purpose. And the closer I got to mine, the closer I realized, this is how I wanna show up and serve other women. And then I started my business and it was like, I was re-triggered all over again. It was like all of the things that I had been overcoming in my spirit, in my body, in my mind had just, the gates had flung open again. And so then naturally and very organically, I started to coach creatives and entrepreneurs because I had done the grunt work of managing my mind and managing my emotions when it came to business. Like when you start a business, it's such a vulnerable place to be. And whatever's happening inside your brain and whatever limited beliefs you have or however you're speaking to yourself or whatever emotions are trapped in your body will just be a mirror for how you show up in business. So how you show up in business is truly how you show up in life. And that's why I love working with entrepreneurs. What was coming up for me as you said that is that um, I know of a, a woman talking about honesty and being vulnerable here. There was a... <clears throat> There was a lady who told me that with all of my offerings and stuff that it kind of gave off to her a, Ooh, look at me vibe. And <laughs> at first that didn't sit very well with me. <laughs> it hurt because I was, at first I didn't, I didn't see that in myself, but with that whole thing of other people being mirrors for you and just seeing what, what truths were in there for me to look at. I was like, I could see that. I could see that because I think, you know, just growing up, I, I did feel unseen. I felt unacknowledged and how I was able to garner attention was to be the good girl and to accomplish things. And so 
I don't think it was necessarily, uh, I think she had it right. I just don't know that she saw like the reason behind it, like why I maybe was putting off this, ooh, look at me vibe. It really, it wasn't to necessarily make myself like better than someone else, but it was to get that at a girl in life, you know? And because if I didn't get that, then it's like, what am I doing? And so I can see with me just creating this hobby, this is because is what it is with my writing and my podcasting and my spiritual offerings that I offer on my website. It's been, yes, very vulnerable place because you are creating something that someone might want to might want but then more often than not doesn't want you know it's like a take it or leave it type thing and uh so trying to just divest myself of results from that um and just invest myself and like what I want to get out of it put that into it and not outside validation because I'm finding that it's all about for me, this journey has been inside validation because I've been looking for, you know, first from my parents and then from people around me, work, my spouse, et cetera. And I'm just so much happier the more I am able to dig in and give myself that validation. And then I'm hoping that as I go along, it's going to be less of a Ooh, look at me vibe and more of, you know, this is what I'm about. And I would love for us to partner to to help each other I don't know exactly what that looks like but that just so resonates with me I feel like I have goosebumps on my arm for how much that resonates and the thing is it's like whenever we're sharing what we do from like a very vulnerable yet inspirational and passionate place of and something that's so personal to us, it can feel like this look at me thing, but we have to drop that judgment and be okay. And this is like all of the inner work that comes along with being an entrepreneur and being okay with being seen. And in my own journey, I've had to overcome so much of my own narrative of not wanting to be seen. And that stems from like all the way back to, like I mentioned, I was a dancer and I was never number one, but I was always in the background. I was a part of the team, but I was never number one. And that like tugged at me forever. And then even when I worked in the fashion industry, I worked in PR. And so I was the one doing all of the grunt work behind the scenes. I was never the star of the show, but I put the show together. And so, so much of me, like, even as silly as this sounds, but showing up on social media, like, made me want to break out in full body hives at first. And, like, it just felt so vulnerable. And it felt like so many people were going to judge me. And, like, why is she a coach now? Like, none of it, that that doesn't make sense. What is she doing? And I had to overcome so much of that inner work and know, and I actually coach a lot of people on this, is actually a disservice to your future clients for the people that need to hear what you have to say it's a disservice to hold back from your voice and from your truth and so the more I leaned into that and the more I came into the belief of what I have to say is valuable 
and it's okay to be seen, like leaning into those beliefs, totally changed the game in my business and how I was showing up in my business. And I think, especially in the wellness space and especially from being intuitive, which already feels like a little out of left field from, let's just say normal female entrepreneurs, it can feel like no one gets me or no no one appreciates my value. Like no one sees my worth, no one sees my value, but none of that is true. None of it's true. And so it's really the work is taking a microscope at all of the beliefs that we think are holding us back and just taking a sledgehammer to them. Yeah. So as you were talking, it reminded me of, I had an Akashic record reading and the lady who was reading my records, she said that she saw me like on YouTube and stuff like that. And with this background, because the reading was done via Zoom too. She's like, I see you with, with this background. And I'm, she's like, are you, can you get yourself out there where you're seen? And I'm like, well, my podcast is technically on, on YouTube, but it's just the audiogram version. You're just hearing the audio with some type of static image there. And so that was so uncomfortable taking the extra step to record this and have the video shown as well as just the audio version. So I'll have the podcast on all of the podcast apps, but then I'll also have video version on YouTube to kind of get this all seen. (laughs) It was, it was, it's still a little bit uncomfortable because like you said, I think I've, I've just been so afraid of if I make myself visible, then you're, you become a target for all kinds of crap to be thrown at you. Whereas if you just kind of stay safe and under the radar, you know, I I get that. And I, I hear you, but it's like coming back to that, like gold star straight a like check all the boxes type of story about yourself of well, why don't I want to ruffle feathers? Like why, like, but when you have something to say somewhere down the line, there's going to be an opinion about it, Mm -hmm. right or wrong, it just is. And I think what we forget a lot of the time is, and this actually goes back to my word of just being straight up honest about stuff. We're human beings and we judge. So we're being judged all the time. People have opinions about every which way upside down and right side up. And so, so much of the time we have a fear of what are people gonna think about me typically in a negative way, instead of thinking about if I show up and share my opinion, my voice, my value, whatever that is, someone actually might latch onto that and find so much worth and so much value out of it. And so the belief I actually have is every time I share my truth, yeah, people may disagree with me, so what? I may have an army of people behind me that do agree with me and that do think the way I think and actually need to hear what I have to say. I think that's beautiful. Just that clip, like the podcast for me, I already like know that that's going to be the intro (laughs) to the rest of the episode. Just that little highlight. I love that so much. That's that's really good. Yeah. So can you walk us through a day in the life of Mindy? What does that look like? Um, It changes every day. Um, I 
so I'm also, I eat up personal development, like archetypes or anything like that. I'm an Enneagram seven. And so I feed off of change, travel, adventure. Um, and that's part of the reasons why I became an entrepreneur because nine to five life just made me want to like drive up a wall. So typically on average, I live in California. I live in Los Angeles, but I may not be here. I may be somewhere else, but let's just say on a, any given day, I live in Los Angeles. So I'll wake up to the sun, sunrise. I always wake up early with the sun or later this time of year. And then I'll get up, I'll have my coffee, which lately I've been really loving for Sigmatic mushroom coffee. Mm-hmm if I'm making it at home. And then I have a really cool co-working space in Hollywood. So I'll probably go to Hollywood, go to my co-working space, bust out some client calls. And then some point during the day, I'll get on my yoga mat and what I live and die for are sunsets. And so I try to go to the ocean for a sunset at least once a week. And that really calms me and really brings me back to center. That just lights me straight up. So I would say that would be a normal day in the life. But I also like to keep it interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also drink uh, mushroom coffee. So I, w- I started off with Four Sigmatic and then I went to La, La Republica mushroom mm-hmm. coffee. But yeah, I, I, like, I like that too. Just the idea of the functional mushrooms like wow this is my my super potion it's just knowing that it's helpful for you and nourishing it does something for you mentally as opposed to when you know you're drinking or ingesting something that's not good for you you kind of have that self judgment the whole time that you're ingesting it whether it's ice cream or whatever it is that you've said is bad so it just adds an extra layer of being good to yourself if you feel good about what you're what you're drinking a thousand percent um going back to the co-working space I have I totally when I first joined I overindulged in the free coffee I was like oh my god free coffee and so I would literally get three cups a day of just like normal coffee and by the end of the day, I'm like, why am I so tired? Why am I so fatigued? Oh, maybe because I've just been drinking coffee and water all day, just consistently around the clock. And so I had to really watch my coffee intake because I typically do drink mushroom coffee and it's totally changed how I react to caffeine. Yeah, I have to be really careful with, with caffeine. So that's why I like the, um, with the, even with the mushroom coffee, I choose the decaffeinated uh, mushroom coffee because I've had a lot of issues with insomnia, which by the way, I was just reading like day before yesterday in a numerology book about people with a life path number seven, like I do it, they can have trouble sleeping. So I was like, that's really interesting. <laughs> that totally checks out for me. I either like most things in my life, I'm like a pendulum and I try to stay within reason and within balance, but sometimes I can sway from one extreme to the other. So I either overeat or undereat or I oversleep or I undersleep. And 
when I'm when my mind is really unhealthy or if I'm going through something super emotional, I find myself either just so wiped and so tired, especially during the pandemic. I slept so much or I have insomnia and I just won't sleep. It's like my emotions dictate all of the extremes in my life. I had a question like um, the clients that come to you because they know that they need a coach, right? Because I think a lot of us, like same thing with counseling, probably could, all of us could use it at one point or another, that outside influence reflecting back to us what they see. And it's kind of like, even with the spiritual world, whatever you offer, whether it's like Reiki or Akashic Record readings or tarot spreads, these people, they still go to other people for readings and it's because we, we need those people to come, you know, next to us and kind of reflect and share with us because often it's easier to hear sometimes when it's from someone else, as opposed to our mind that we can so easily dismiss or overthink. So by the time someone has said, okay, I definitely need a coach. What occurred to me is the kind of person that you're seeing are they messes? Are they just giant messes? Um, no <laughs> because matter. I know when I've needed help and I've finally like gone to somebody, it's been when I'm emotional and I'm like, I don't know what else to do. And so I would have considered myself a mess. So, or do people, are they just different than me? And they come to you as soon as they know that they need a little extra boost or just a little extra help. Because to me, I don't know if it's just my personality or what, but it's like, if I could just use a little more willpower, I could do it on my own. I can figure this out. I just need to change this and that, but it doesn't change. <laughs> Here's the thing. And this is like the real deal of it, but humans are messy. And I think what we can learn from spiritual practices brings us to like a greater purpose or a higher meaning of life. In that, I think we also tend to forget that it's okay to be human. And so in every single human being's messiness, because no one is perfect, like what is perfect? And so it's really meeting us where we're at and knowing what we just need to shine a light on and accept. And most of the time with coaching, it's walking someone through or asking really good questions to get an inside scoop of their thinking, because the way they think and how they speak to themselves or what stories they're hanging on to and what beliefs they have is going to determine the, the feelings that they feel and then the actions that they take forward. And so if oh my you gosh, Mindy, can I just interrupt you real quick? I have yeah. a perfect example of that. Yeah. I've been reading the book Untethered Soul, and it's all about, you know, kind of naming that voice that, that is horrible to you. You wouldn't trust it for anything. Um, so this morning I, I slept in and then I was like trying my inner voice, my inner critic was trying to make me feel guilty for it. Why didn't I get up and be productive and all this stuff? And then I'm like, why am I doing that to myself? The little things that make life enjoyable, where I'm actually taking a moment to feel rested, 
I'm going to make myself feel bad about it. And that's not the kind of life I want. I want to be a friend to myself and just try and check in with my body. That felt really good sleeping in longer than I normally would have. And I could because I didn't have anything scheduled today until our, our interview. And so I'm like, I'm just going to give myself permission to enjoy life. What is that? <laughs> so that we're not even like we want, we say we want to enjoy life, but then our inner talk is so destructive and won't even let us enjoy the moments of, of pleasure that we're seeking. Exactly. And it's, hilarious the amount of permission slips I get to people and I think that's one of the cool things about being a coach is you get like really an inside look at how people think and how they speak to themselves and it it literally could be like as extreme as a let's just take like garbage man or mailman and uh like I don't know Oprah and they can have the same common thing, themes of how they speak to each other. And the only difference is Oprah has support and how she manages her brain so she can get what she wants. Because these things just keep coming up. And so the awareness is the first part, like awareness is key. And so you can notice or disrupt the inner critic or inner dialogue. And then you can just tell it to like, okay, I see you, I hear you, but I'm not gonna listen to you right now. I'm gonna like overcome that and I'm gonna listen to something else. I'm gonna listen to something more powerful that's actually gonna push me forward into what I need and what I want and what supports me. So I totally interrupted you and I couldn't even remember where it was, but then I came up with something else to say. Um, so here recently I have, so, I was working part-time four days a week at my, my regular job. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make space for the universe to bring in clients and so forth. And so I went to just one day a week. I tried to cram everything in when I went into the office into one day and the clients didn't show up. So I was like, I did this trust fall into the universe and the universe was like, uh, okay. <laughs> kind of let me fall, I guess, because it, it wasn't ready. I, I don't know what I was doing. My, I'm just thinking of my daughter, like, cause she'll do that trust fall. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I wasn't ready, but, um, so I did that and there weren't the clients. And then I was talking to someone and I realized, well, my husband was talking to me and we need me to go back to work more to bring in some income for the financial health and freedom of our family. So I was tempted to look at the past nine months, seven to nine months as a failure. Like I totally failed, but I did what everyone said. You know, I, I created space. I created room. I trusted the universe. I had this structure in place and it just didn't happen. So I was, like I said, I was tempted to think of it as a failure. And I was like, it was soul crushing to go back to, you know, just regular work and say, okay, I tried that. It didn't work. But I realized I was coming at it with an all or nothing attitude, which is kind of me. <laughs> 
that's really me. It's like all or nothing. And I realized that that was not serving me. So, and I realized that not everybody is in that position, that unique position where they can uh, work with their boss to, to create these hours. But what ended up happening is that I was like, okay, I am going to have Wednesday blocked off every day on my calendar for my, my regular job, my real job, air quotes. And then I'll come in Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday if there's no one on my schedule. Um, yeah, it's booked for any kind of readings or a podcast episode. And so to me, that was a great balance. It was throwing aside that all or nothing attitude that wasn't serving me and kind of melding the two together. And so, yeah, that's, that's how it's going to work this week. I was able to tell my, my boss, okay, it looks like I'm going to be in there Wednesday through Friday this week, because I have two interviews scheduled on Tuesday. Yay. <laughs> that was a great way for me to implement something that didn't even occur to me. It wasn't even on my radar as that kind of being an option, because again, I do tend to look at some, at things in such black and white terms. Like I'm either this, you know, or that. <laughs> and how I like to approach those kinds of situations is instead of thinking about failure, it's like, okay, what did I learn from this? What did I learn? And did it serve me? And I think there's this really weird thing, especially, and I don't know, this might like poke some feathers and I really don't care. So let's, I'm just going to say it. I think there's this thing in like the spiritual space, the wellness space of if I crush that limited belief, or if I meditate hard enough, or if I think abundant thoughts, it'll come. And that's just like a level of entitlement, like almost spiritual entitlement that we didn't quite earn yet as a business owner. And so I think it's a combination of both of being willing to have a lot of risk because that's what entrepreneurship is. And it's a level of risk of, I, I almost like to think of it as an admissions fee into the game of business. If you're willing to risk this certain part, or even feeling the feelings of uncertainty, welcome to business. Cause that's not going to go away. You just have to like learn to deal with it in a holistic and sustainable way. And also create a little bit of ease in your personal life. So it's a balance of both of not being like, and I've learned this the hard way because I'm an extremist. Right. And so there was a level of me when I first started my business of I'm a coach, I have a really high offer and everybody's going to want to work with me because I have so much worth in myself crickets and that's just like the honesty of being in business and you have to be okay with that and get comfortable with sometimes it's going to be up and sometimes it's going to be down that's the game of business in a very real way and also the abundance piece when you start to get into aligned actions, when you get your brain on, on straight and when you have reframing mindset of, I didn't fail, I learned, that will keep you going. That will keep your business sustainable and that will keep your brain on straight. And you also have to be pretty realistic of what do I need to survive in life? So it's a combination of both and really doing the dance of what does my life need for me and Am I will, what am I willing to risk or what am I learning, willing to learn 
And if I do quote unquote fail, am I willing to get back up and try again and pivot again or do this new thing? It's a combination of both. Yeah. So I, I was raised on the whole American dream thing. Like all it takes is hard work and dedication and you, you can achieve this American dream that you have for yourself. Well, you know, 40 years later, (laughs) it's like, I see lots of people who have worked really hard. There's been nothing easy about their life and they're, they're, from the outside, not successful. Like they, they didn't go anywhere. And then you see people who are flaunting their abundance and their success. And Hey, be like me. All you do is these three easy steps and you you can be taking these flights around the world into these crazy places. But if you're like looking at work and work ethic, it's not the same. So there is a a lot of the mindset in there as well as it's both. And so my friend, Courtney, she has been exploring the idea of abundance and the experiment that she's been running is that her financial abundance, because abundance comes in all kinds of ways. Her financial abundance has come when she was having fun So the universe seemed to be rewarding her for when she was actually enjoying life and having fun. And so I think I I really can see that. I need to probably do that more and see if it comes through and that translates into financial abundance. But you can see some people who are so miserable and they have everything that they could want. And then you see some people, I mean, I work with somebody who, they have it pretty bad, but yet they're really happy. And so that idea of abundance, I, 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 I'm still trying to figure out what does abundance look like for me personally? Does it look like everyone else's version of abundance, like these superstars and these spiritual coaches and high profile figures that I see or hear on my on podcasts that I follow, or is it something very unique to me? And so I'm kind of leaning towards the latter. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head of, I think it's a really personal question. And just like success is defined in every which way, just in the society that we're raised, we typically correlate success with money, right? Yeah. But success can come in so many different versions for so many different people. And I think that that's part of starting to look at what beliefs we have and what matters to us, because this is such personal work that we typically don't really look at. And we just look at what everybody else has or what everybody else is doing. And that's actually not true. And so I just believe that if we stay in our own lane and keep doing inner work, those answers will come to us. And we never quite know what's going on behind the scenes of, let's just say, a thought leader or a spiritual leader. There's no way of knowing their own personal story. We're not in their brain. We're not in their body. We don't know. And so I think it's also coming across this like really weird facade 
so to speak, in the spiritual wellness space and just knowing the only thing that you're responsible for is your own happiness mm-hmm. and your own life. That's the only thing that you can do and be responsible for. And am I allowed to curse on this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> God. There's a level of bullshit in it and you just kind of have to have your bullshit detector out and follow people that you feel like are doing the work and other people it's coming back to trusting yourself and trusting your intuition. Some people aren't. And I think I have a unique lens on that because I've worked in the wellness space behind the scenes and I can see I've had firsthand experiences of who's the real deal and who's not. And I think it's a disservice to the wellness community to keep blindly following or handing over gobs of money when the return on investment isn't all that great. So it's always coming back to center of your own personal work and, and finding or following people that you drive with. Right. So two things came up when you were talking. One is that in this, the spiritual community, there are often this belief system of like, we decide what kind of lessons we want to learn in this lifetime and that we choose accordingly our family and our body and circumstances. And sometimes we choose to have a life of more challenging financial difficulties because there's something that we, there's a something that we needed to learn or we wanted to experience, something that our soul wanted to experience within those set of circumstances. And so it does seem a bit just like a blanket statement for people who are positioned in financial affluence to say, this is meant for everybody. And if you can just do exactly what I did, because people think that just because it happened for you and you followed these steps or you did A plus B and you got this result that everyone else who follows those exact same steps will get the same result. And that's not, it's not true. There is no specific guaranteed outcome. There's no guaranteed outcome for following anyone's prescription of, of success in this life. And secondly, what came up was that I had a hypnosis session recently And it was a QHHT session. And what my soul, my soul's advice was that we all, all of us human beings, that we needed to be the suns in our own solar system. So this would not work for flat earthers, but for everyone else, we need to be the sun in our own solar system and to let everyone else just fall into orbit where they will, just fall into place where they will around us. But I am not to, and everyone else is not to try and take note of where other people are, what they're feeling, how they're thinking, take the temperature of the room, so to speak, and then position ourselves accordingly. We are to be the center of our own universe And it seems very selfish and it's healthy. It's healthy to be selfish and we need to just be there in our own, 
our own sun. And then other people may be in our orbit for a small time, or maybe that friendship is meant to be for a long time, a lifeline, but you never know. And that that's, that's where the freedom and the, the ease and the fun comes from. It's just allowing yourself to be you and yeah. So you help people find their own, their own position as a son, right? Yeah. And I think it comes down to personal responsibility in some ways. Yes. Like in the world, we are not individually on a like even playing field, like systemic racism, racism exists. Like the impoverished communities exist. Let's be very mindful of that. And also there's a level of personal responsibility to think, well, I'm not meant to make money in this lifetime because I haven't made it yet. And it comes back to choice. And that comes back to what we're constantly feeding ourselves day in, day out. So if you truly have the belief, my soul is on this planet because I'm not meant to make money that's obviously going to yield the result that you can't make any money. Mm -hmm. So it's just like even looking at, okay, how am I personally responsible here? That's the root of all suffering in a thought work way, not like physical suffering or anything of that, that nature. Cause that's very real, but also. Oh, and I just want to be clear that I was using that as an example, not for oneself, to think, oh, I'm not meant to make any money, but that was for you to like put on everyone else, to project on everyone else that they are supposed to make money. And when there are like a lot of people who just really, they work their ass off. They try, they believe in themselves and still nothing happens. It doesn't make sense. If you followed the formula, sure, you, you should be successful, but yet sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, I totally agree with you. If you are, if you have that in your, as your mindset that I'm not meant to make money, totally agree that you're not going to make money. That is something that I grew up with because I, I grew up in a very impoverished, sometimes even food insecure household. And it was, there was this divide, me and them, us and them mentality. And so and sure we would have people I was really thankful for the people who had those who had, because they were able to share. And I was able to see the really, some of the best parts of humanity where they were gifting stuff, clothes and food and all kinds of things. But yeah, for the most part, I made them out to be the exception. And still there was like this huge divide between those who have and those who have not. And basically those who had, I had this story around it that they were, that they were pursuing money at all costs and that they sacrificed their principles for money. And I had all these stories around it. And so I have, I've had to, or maybe I still am. I, I need to look at that, but those stories were preventing me from stepping into really having some of that myself, because what does that mean? That meant that now that I own a house and I'm not food insecure, what does that make me? Does that make me one of those money hungry, selfish, um, 
unthoughtful people that I hated as a child. I just assumed that, you know, no one cared and that there's, there's all so many, there's so many stories that you have to address. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really different place than when I was as a child. Now I feel more comfortable. Like I have that option of just working part-time where I know some people in order to make ends meet and to feed the kids, keep the electricity on, they don't even have that option. So I feel really, uh, I'm not even going to say hashtag blessed because that kind of upsets me when I hear people say that, but I feel really fortunate that I'm, that things have turned around, that I'm in the position I am where I can just work part-time, that I'm able to put my kid into all of these activities that I wasn't able to do as a kid. (sighs) But it has also in the back of my mind kind of kept me from allowing others to celebrate with me because I've been afraid of having anyone see that to, because of fear, again, of judgment. <laughs> it's, like you said, Mindy, we're all messes and I'm definitely no exception. We're humans. It's okay. Um, And I think that's such a beautiful example of gratitude, of really looking at where you're at now and just thanking your entire being, because I'm sure 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you didn't think it was possible to be where you're at now. And so that's part of the piece of having true abundance in your life is to know that you are so grateful for where you are. And also there's a feeling of enoughness. And what's very ironic is your own personal money story, somebody else could also be carrying that has made and grew up with way more money than you grew up with. And so it's like really looking at how do we view money as fueling a piece of enoughness of when is it going to be enough? When will I feel like enough? Like that's really looking at money like when we look at money it's and start to neutralize it or think of it as just like a thing and we just attach meaning to it we attach value our personal value as an individual we attach it to money yes and it's so personal and it's so emotional and I think that's why people get so uncomfortable with money but when you start to think about it in the lens of a stepping into your worth and b being a business owner people have so many different thoughts and opinions about varying different amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And so to one person, $100 may feel like so much. To somebody else, it may feel like pocket change. And so that's why like, it's all coming back to how we view money and how we want to heal and fix our relationship with money. And so we always feel like we're sustained and we always feel like we're enough. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I was thinking about even in families where there's not, I guess, you know, some people would say there's not enough, there's not enough food, there's not enough resources. There are still some people who grew, grow up in households where they didn't realize the situation that they were in because the, the caregivers, their parents, they had an attitude that there was plenty, that there was enough, that they were, everything was 
that yeah they were being held by the universe in a sense like it was enough you are enough and then you have other households where you can have the same set of outside circumstances but a completely different thought pattern about it the us versus them they're keeping us down they're doing this and yeah it's just where you feel like you have to prove yourself in order to to earn that money or whatever it is so i want to imbue endow whatever the word is the correct word is my daughter with that feeling of enoughness regardless of what the circumstances are and stepping into her worth that she's good enough as she is she doesn't need to make an a on a test to validate her existence and hopefully, but you know, the thing is, is that um, I had her, my daughter's natal chart read and it's so easy. It was so easy for me to project like my own childhood woundings and stuff onto the chart and be like, oh, I would never do this to her. I'm going to make sure this happens. And the astrologer was like, oh, she's not going to have any problems with self-esteem <laughs> because, you know, her her moon's moon's in Leo and these kinds of things. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, We just have this uh, default where we project what must've been our issues and our struggles onto someone else. And it's like, the astrologer was like, oh yeah, she's not gonna have those, but she was, my daughter's gonna have a different set of, of challenges. So just trying to be aware of that and- And that's the beautiful piece of either thought work or coming into like personal development, awareness, even like some level of having a spiritual and wellness practice is knowing that you have choice and you can rewrite your story. And I think so many people walk around thinking exactly how they were raised, the exact same thoughts, the exact same beliefs that they have without really ever questioning them. And when you start on this spiritual wellness journey, you know that that's not true. Um, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest with like huge lack mentality. And when I started to look inward and know that I can fill like myself up in certain ways that A, money doesn't buy, and there's never lack. It's like this energetic relationship with how you view the world and how you view the universe. And that that's the relationship of giving and receiving. It's not a no, it's an always yes. It's not, uh, there's not enough. It's always, there's a creation. And so it's starting to look at like your relationship too of like the abundance piece of energetically giving and receiving that's when you step into abundance. Hey guys, I'm back. Welcome to Natalie's Nonsense Corner. So, and I have a joke for you. So, what did the janitor scream when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies! I know it's like one of those classics where you just have to say it when you're saying a joke. See you all next time.
Okay, so two things again, that as you were speaking, one is that I think that the best thing that we can do as parents, because we're not necessarily going to know what our, our children's challenges are going to be, to just model Again, going back to being the, our own center of our universe, it seems so selfish, but yes, if we can just model what it is to be happy and satisfied and abundant and feel safe and loved, those I think go so much further than trying to provide external comfort, stability and so forth to our children because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Right. And then secondly, what I was, have you ever heard of soul collage? No, I'm not familiar. Okay. So it's a, well, I think I may have been off more than I can chew to try to describe it, but (laughs) it's kind of like you can eventually create a deck of all these cards to help you with divination or whatever you would use a normal Oracle deck for, et cetera. But as you're, you're making one card at a time. And you're cutting out images from magazines, et cetera, that speak to you. And then you're choosing from all these clippings, whatever's yelling at you the loudest. And you have a single energy on one card. So you're not having a lot of different messaging on one card. You're just having one at a time. And so I did that with a friend over the weekend. We did some soul collaging. So we're clipping and all that. And I came across this picture of this old time desktop, a gumball vending machine. And inside the the gumball machine were all of these yellow gumballs with smiley faces on them. And that ended up being, it was a huge image. So I was like, I had just that one image on my one card. So it wasn't much of a collage, (laughs) but so what you do, whenever you have your card done, you're supposed to name it supposed to name the card and I mean and they're they're all supposed to be reflective of the parts of us the different parts of us and so some of those can be messy and sad or a wound like the wounded child but this one happened to be very comforting to me in a way because the message I got from it I named it can't lose is either that or win-win. I couldn't decide which of, well, what I wanted to name it. But what I got from it is that no matter what comes down the chute of life, when the wheel of fortune turns, we, you know, that we turn that little dial, it's going to be that smiley face gumball, which told me that tells me that regardless of what happens, it's what we learn from it. So it's all for our benefit. There's nothing that's like you were saying that the universe, it's always a yes. And then, I mean, you can kind of see it like that, right? Where everything is for your good. Sometimes it's more painful lessons than others, but if you can just see it as a a benevolent higher power, bringing things into your awareness for you to interact with and acknowledge and maybe integrate to give you the experiences that, that you, that you really need and want to become, I don't know. Some people are here. Some people are like, we're just here on this earth for experiences. And that's enough as a human being. And other people are like, we're here to learn lessons. 
And I'm kind of here for both, I think. (laughs) Totally. And some people don't even think about that at all. Like, let's acknowledge that at least the people I would assume in your world and my world, at least poke and prod and are inquisitive and curious of what this whole thing is about. And I also think it's in those lessons, even the really, really painful ones, because that's also a part of life, right? Like life is not all just rainbows and sunshine. There are painful lessons for many of us, almost, I mean, I would argue every single planet or person on this planet, but that's where growth comes from. That's where resiliency comes from. That's where power comes from. It's overcoming, even in the pain, looking at what did I learn from this or what did I, why did I need this and how am I better for it or how am I more expanded from it? I was reading about my life path number seven and it was all about the, the number sevens, they, they need truth and meaning. <laughs> and I was like, that is so true. I know so many people, they don't care. They just want to watch TV and live for the weekend. And that's good enough for them. And for me, it, it just hasn't been, it's not, it's not enough. And so I'm constantly digging for the truth and the meaning and, oh gosh. So is that mostly what your practice is then is helping people reframe their mental talk about something? Yeah, that's a huge piece of it. And it also shines a light. I'm like a very emotional being. Um, And for a really long time, I was not tapped into emotions. I grew up in a house that never communicated and never really expressed. And being a like little sensitive, emotional being, I always thought it was wrong. And I was always like shamed into crying. I'm a huge crier. And so part, yes, the thought work is a piece of it. And also part of our emotional well-being is to tap into our feelings and to know where they exist in the body and to let them out. And so let's just say a typical session with me, if someone's feeling really stuck or has an emotion that just needs to come out, I'll throw on music and I'll just like let them move. I'm such a proponent of moving the body in every which way, just to energetically release some stuff. So it's a combination of both of the coaching and the thought work is growth for the mind and the embodiment piece of moving your body is growth for the emotions or release for the emotions. Oh gosh, that is, that is still a journey that I'm on now is integrating the emotions and seeing them as a gift because it's easy to blame one's parents or upbringing, but then you also have kids that are just wired differently and they can have the same set of parents and circumstances and come out completely different. So it's hard to know exactly what was me just being extra sensitive and what was part of the conditioning. But I grew up really only seeing the value of the left brain. What, what was logical And if it wasn't logical, what I was thinking or feeling, like the feelings, if it wasn't logical, then I had to repress it. I didn't feel like it was safe to show that. And because, yeah, I just felt that the only thing that was valued was, um, and some people 
get triggered by the word masculine energy, but the, the yang energy, the, the doing and the action, I thought that that was the only thing that was really valued. And so now trying to sit back and integrate some of the emotions more. I'm a Scorpio rising. And so I definitely have <laughs> a lot there under the surface that I don't know that I necessarily even tap into myself, but I come across as sometimes as an emotional person, because there's only so long that you can keep that bottled up before you become really reactive. So I'm trying to, in a more healthy way, as the emotions come up, acknowledge, feel them, and then release, as opposed to them coming along, denying them, repressing them, bottling them up, and having them just create even more problems down the road. A thousand percent. And that's the difference between responding to something, no matter what that situation is, and reacting to it. And a lot of the reaction just comes from being triggered some in some which way, and you just don't know how to emotionally release it. And so let's just say for, like, for for example, you're in traffic and someone cuts you off, like, it's not really about that. That just triggers you into something else. And then you just react. And it's almost like an out of body experience where you're like, what just happened? Instead of processing emotion in real time and not having shame about it and just letting yourself like wherever you're at, needing whatever to come out, that's okay. And that's the beautiful piece about movement is you can do that Mm -hmm. in a safe container. Right. Yeah, I have just started recently kind of integrating more more movement as well. With no one else in the house, just me putting on some music and moving. And it does, it feels like it gets some of that pent up energy like you're talking about. It just releases it and gets it out. Yeah, because what needs to come out is like, years and years and years and years and years of just pent up emotion, which is stored in the body. And then sooner or later, like 20, 30, 40 years down the road, that's where like all of these health issues stem from. And so it's like kind of catching it in the moment and always remembering this is also a piece of self-care. And this is why, because you're actively taking care of your emotional well-being, which is so tied, intrinsically tied to your physical being. So do you, are you involved in the ecstatic dance community at all? Um, I dabble or let's not say I dabble. I've been, um, but actually what I love integrating is, um, are you familiar with the class by Taryn Toomey? No. So it's a combination of energetic release, ecstatic yogic philosophy, but also musically paired. The movement is paired to music. So for me, that's like the best way to move my body because I still feel like I didn't just flail my body for like an hour. I still feel like I did something on my mat. And my emotions are also released. And also I just totally get out of my head when I'm moving in tandem with music. It's like I exit to a whole different world. 
So I have not <clears throat> participated in an ecstatic dance yet, but I love the I, the concept of it. So dancing in itself, I'm interested how you come come to this because you were a dancer. <laughs> so me, I have like no rhythm, and so the, just the idea of dancing where anybody could see me is like, oh my gosh, I actually need to look like I'm dancing and not spazzing or <laughs> no, whatever. Exercise of like just fully releasing the judgment and just being in your body. It's yeah, that's what I like about it because no one's looking at anyone else in the, in the ecstatic dance community. You're not there to move because you're cool or sexy or whatever. You're yeah. just it kind of takes me back to I don't know, like we're all kindergartners and we're like yes, <laughs> it's yes. like playing. It's like playing with your body in a way with the music and I had not heard about that fusion of yoga with the ecstatic dance so I am super interested in that because I've had other episodes talking about yoga and how I haven't done it in a long time but at least it definitely had its place at the beginning of my 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 spiritual journey and I would just sit there crying for no reason I didn't know why so out of touch with my body and my emotions and I would just be crying and I it felt like such a great release so yeah if there was something that combined yoga with ecstatic dance and this beautiful way of getting in touch with how you feel because again to me it was growing up all about taking the temperature of the room what would I say that would trigger someone else's anger? I need to be like this. I don't need to have my ups and downs because I just need to be steady because I do not want to trigger anybody else around me. And, but then that's kind of denying my own emotions and my own experience of life. And so, yeah, just coming back to making myself the center of my universe. (laughs) Exactly. And when we're speaking about movement, I am a huge proponent to, in like the world of ecstatic dance, to get really curious and to do what feels good. Like to just do be like, I think a lot of people don't even understand what it's like to feel in your body and to be in your body. And so to just get really curious of what would it be like if I moved my arm in this way? Because I probably have never moved my arm in this way in my entire life. So, and it may feel good. It may feel good or it may not. And so you do something different. And so I think it's just staying really curious in the physical body. And that's going to heal so many wounds from childhood of having to be a certain way or not being able to play. It just brings out that level of play and freedom. So listeners who are in the Texas area, I mean, I can extend it to even further, but if anyone is interested in ecstatic dance, um, I am going outside of my comfort zone and and attending an ecstatic dance festival in April. So people can look it up on Facebook or wherever. It's called Ecstatic Forest Festival. So if anyone wants to go, I'll be there. I'm going to be there. I'm just trusting that it's going to be fun. That sounds fun. I want to come to Texas. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it's, an, it's called Ecstatic Forest. 
And it's like four days of camping. I think it's four days, four or five days of camping. I think it's in the Texas Hill Country. I don't know the exact name of the town, but um, yeah, if anyone wants to join me, look it up and let me know that you're going and we can meet up there. <laughs> so. so Mindy, how often do you find it helpful to meet with clients? On a weekly basis? Yeah, I would say a weekly basis. And how I like to show up as a coach is to meet really my people where they're at. And so with meeting weekly, it's like, okay, whatever came up, especially in business for you, whatever you're dealing with, typically it's not about the business. Typically we go off the rails and start talking about more of like where that belief comes from or all the limited self-beliefs. And it kind of like avalanches and snowballs, but it also keeps people accountable with consistent action comes change and growth. And so even meeting bi-weekly or once a month just doesn't feel right for the level of accountability most people are looking for. And then does that look like a 30 minute Zoom call or what is that when they do? Uh, an hour. An hour? Uh, yeah, I... I have a tendency to go over <laughs> and really give people the attention that they need, but it's always an hour minimum. And anyone that's local to LA, I would love to meet in person. I like get screen fatigue so much. It's been really challenging to try to operate a business over a screen. And so I crave human connection. All right. So Mindy, if someone like myself came to you and I told you that just the word business I felt was triggering because to me, business is all about these rules. I don't know as far as financial reporting and, you know, applying for your DBA and all of these scary things that are not what I'm about. I'm about, you know, this, this other thing, and I'm not about the I don't know the first thing to do about getting an accountant or filing my taxes for the business, like business to me, it, it strikes so many overwhelms <laughs> in me. So just your little tidbit, how do you, how do you see business? Like, I know the word can't be triggering for you. How, how do you envision or see business energetically? Business to me is just pure freedom and creativity. Oh gosh. When you reframe it like that, I'm all about freedom. <laughs> Listen, you get to do whatever you want. And this is one of the reasons why I personally started a business is I hate being told what to do and I don't like not having autonomy of my time and my value and how much money I make. I don't want anyone else dictating that. And so when I look at business, I just be, see possibility. I see creativity. I see play. I see connection. I don't see anyone telling me what to do or rules. I actually see zero rules. And that's what's so much fun about business. You literally get to create whatever you want. You decide it. You decide, no one else. Yeah, that would probably be in, in one of our first sessions, what we would have to work on. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, that and like every time I'm feeling a little stagnant or stuck because I feel that way often, I have to come back to like where that's even coming up for me and just like remind myself that I'm in the driver's seat. And if something isn't working, change it. If I don't like doing, I hate doing shit I don't like. And so if I am doing something I don't like all that much, I pivot, I delegate, I do something different. If it's working for me, great. But it, that's the beautiful part of not only having a business, but having a very soulful, heartfelt, intuitive business is you get to vision whatever you want and you just walk towards it. It's so simple. How can people find out more about Mindy and follow what you're making in your own sandbox? You can follow me on Instagram. It is at Mindy Fetzer. It's just my first and last name. Eventually you will be able to find me on a website, but it's being updated. And so you can head to my website and from there you can follow along in my newsletter. Is that going to be MindyFetzer.com? Okay, cool. So I love how in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke's story ends his pods asking his guests this question. So I'm including it in mine, my podcast as well. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? This is such a good question. I think first and foremost would be Byron Katie. I base a lot of how I show up as a coach on her work of really looking at someone's views and asking like, is that true? When you are not facing, her work is rooted in when you are struggling with looking at reality objectively, that's the root of all suffering. And so it's this really beautiful concept or way of looking at life of it, it, it shouldn't or should be, it just is. And that has helped me tremendously in my own personal work, at, like in journey as well. I love her work. Well, it reminds me of a poem I just wrote. So whenever I post it, I'll tag you. And that way you can remember what we were talking about. It just is. You don't have to be judging it in the moment. You can, but you can also decide to just observe and let it be what it is. So, Okay. And that was Byron Katie? Byron Katie, yeah. Okay. What about number two? Number two, actually, this book is like literally right in front of me um, on a stack of books that's holding on my laptop. But I am a huge fan and love Danielle Laporte um, as a thought leader, as a spiritual leader, as a meditation leader. And her desire map has really, I'm, I'm such a vision person and big dream, head in the sky kind of girl. And so she has really allowed me the permission that that's okay. And to lean into that and to just really lean into what do you want to create? How do you want to feel? Okay. Desire map. That sounds a little familiar. Like I may have come across that before. Sure. Okay, cool. What about number three? Oh, number three. This is going to be so lame and this is probably going to follow me for the rest of my life and I don't really care. Um, I'm going to say Beyonce <laughs> because whenever I'm having a super down day or start to doubt myself, you best believe I throw on 
Beyonce and I feel like a super like I feel like a superhero and so she always just pulls me out and just makes me think I can do the thing excellent well Mindy before we close out was there anything that you wanted to say that I, that you didn't get to say I'm just so excited to have connected with you. I love connecting with other humans and just sharing collectively our stories. I think that's what ties us together. And so I'm just really grateful to have been able to share a little piece of mine and to have connected with you too. Well, thank you for accepting the, you know, taking me up on the offer. And I hope whoever is listening who feels that connection will actually reach out to you. And, and tap into the abundance of, of who they are and what they can achieve. So thank you, Mindy, so much for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. And I'm horrible at goodbyes. And that's why I've often ghosted at parties is because I don't know how to say goodbye. So I'm going to try something new and different. I'm going to press end meeting but i'm gonna count to three and then you're going to give me the the name of a color okay one two three magenta green 